What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You desire but do not have, so you kill. You covet but cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives so that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world means enmity against God? Therefore, anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Or do you think Scripture says without reason that he jealously longs for the spirit he has caused to dwell in us? But he gives us more grace. That's why Scripture says, God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come near to God and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Grieve, mourn, and wail. Change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. All right, how we doing? Going all right? All right, here we go. I reckon, and you can fight me if you want, I reckon there's something really special about a good movie villain. There's something that just like makes the whole movie if the villain's right. Um, I reckon there's lots of different things that make a really good one, but I reckon there's something really like that is really special about a good, a good movie, a good bad, what do you call it? A good movie villain? Good bad movie villain. That's it. I don't know. But a, a good, bad movie villain, there's something that gets them really bad. Double crossing. If they like double cross someone really, real bad, that's when you're like, I really don't like you very much, like at all. And that's why I reckon all these movie villains here are like big double crosses, right? You got uh, Jafar. Not like the weird, low-key, good-looking one in the live action, like old-school cartoon Jafar, all right? He's bad. He's bad dude. Saruman, bad dude. Creepy wrinkly guy, he's pretty bad. Creepy bald guy, creepy messed up face guy. I have not really seen Frozen, but apparently the Frozen guy is pretty bad. They all like double-cross people, right? A good movie villain always does the big double-cross, but there's one who really did it better than any other movie villain. This one actually still, still hurts a little bit. It's the next slide. Oh, oof, oof. <laughs> the pain is real still, isn't it? Again, none of this live-action garbage, the OG cartoon, thank you very much, tears streaming down your face. The double cross, right? Playing both sides. Even just seeing these get me a bit like, bit I'm ready to go, you know? Ready to go, right? Scar, it's the worst. There's just something about like a, a real dodgy double cross that just gets under our skin, right? Now, that's kind of like the, the job description of a Disney cartoon movie or whatever. That's what they're going to do. But what about in real life? It actually stings, doesn't it, a double cross? Maybe you've experienced it close to home. Maybe you've had that friend who you found out was gossiping about you behind your back to someone else. That's a double cross, isn't it? That hurts. 
And it's these type of examples that help us realise that it's not just annoying, (laughs) a double cross, it's not like, ah, you got me, there's something really disturbing and deep about being double-crossed by someone, isn't there? There's something that really hits close to home. Someone playing both sides makes us furious. Furious. Well, tonight's passage has a warning for us. It's got a warning for all of us. The warning is this. It's possible that you're double-crossing God. It's a real possibility that you're playing both sides against Him. And the warning is that if that's you, you're in an incredibly dangerous position, a really dangerous one. And so what we're going to do tonight, with that warning in our mind, we're going to do three things, right? We're going to, firstly, we're going to look at the big problem. Why, like, what is it to double-cross God and why is that such a bad thing, number one? Number two, we're going to see the symptoms of it, like, how, how can I know if that's me doing that, because sometimes it's a bit, it's actually a bit hard to tell. That's the second one. And the third one, we're going to see, can we fix it? If that's the position that we're in, is there any way to fix it? That's where we're heading. Make sense? With me? Number one, here's the problem. Double-crossing God makes Him your enemy. Check out verse 4, James 4 verse 4. You adulterous people, Don't you know that friendship with the world means enmity with God? Therefore, anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Now, that's pretty harsh, right? That's pretty harsh. You adulterous people, he kicks in there. He cheats. James is writing to these people who are trying to do both. They're trying to be friends with God and friends with the world. And James says, that's not on, it doesn't work. Anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Now, why why is that though? Like, what's so bad about that? Why is it such a big deal? Well, the next verse says, it's it's got to do with who God actually is. Check out verse 5. Or do you think Scripture says without reason that He jealously longs for the Spirit He has caused to dwell in us. That's a bit of a funky verse, right? And there's a couple of different ways you could read it. But, and if you really want to know all the possible ways, you can come and chat to me after, we don't have time. But the vibe of them all is the exact same. God is a jealous God. He's jealous. Now, I'm not sure what words you've usually heard God described as. Maybe it's loving, compassionate, merciful, gracious, I don't know, any of those type of words, you can add jealous into the list. God is a jealous God. This stuff is all over the Old Testament. God is a jealous God. He's jealous for His people. There's a chunk of them there. Now, it's not quite jealous how we might think of it, right? Because when we think of jealous, we're kind of thinking of this evil-spirited envy type of thing. That's not quite what God's doing. God's jealousy is for His people, that His people would be single-minded for Him and not for others. He's jealous for them. He's not going to share His people to idols or anything like that. He's not going to do it because He won't share His glory with anyone else. He says in Isaiah 42, I am the Lord, that is my name, I will not give my glory to another. He won't do it. He's jealous for His people. 
It's kind of like how a husband should be jealous for his wife, or a wife should be jealous for her husband. Like, not going to share each other with other people, that's super weird. They're jealous for each other, want single-minded. God is a jealous God. He won't share His people amongst Himself and the world. He says you've got to pick. If you're a friend with the world, says God, then you're an enemy of God. That's pretty harsh, isn't it? I was reading an article this week about a guy called Dave. Dave's probably about 50 now, but he was talking about the time when he was probably about your age. I think he was late teens, that type of thing. Um, he was a volunteer firefighter back then. We've seen how hectic the fires can be like past couple of weeks, hey? You get that little fire app that says like fires near me and they just grow and like they're, they're wild. There's people working around the clock to put them out. There's just, there's bush destroyed, there's houses destroyed. It's hectic. Anyway, so Dave is a volunteer firefighter and he'd often be the first guy who would like get to the fire station ready to fight the fires. He was super keen, on the ball. But it happened a couple times where he was like the very first person to be there. And he's like suited up, everything's ready to go. And people started to get a little bit sus. Like, how'd you get here quicker than every other person when we didn't even tell you? Dave was lighting the fires. He lit them. And they tried to work out how many has this guy, like how many fires has this guy lit? And he's like 50. He lit 50 fires where he'd lit the fire and he got it all going, sweet, off to the fire station, let's go fight the fires. And he'd go back and fight them. And this is why he said he did it. He said, I realised if I lit the fires, I could be the first one at the fire station every time. I'd be the first person to unlock everything. I'd be the first person to get things ready to roll when others turned up. And I knew where we were going every time. It would be my little secret and it made me feel powerful. How hectic is that? Isn't that wild? It's messed up. He wasn't just doing something cool. He he was straight up double-crossing the firefighters, wasn't he? He's not their friend. He can't actually have it both ways. If you're a friend of fires, you're an enemy of the firefighters. You You can't do the Dave thing. It doesn't work. He tried. Not happening. If you're a friend of the world, you're an enemy of God. You can't have both. And when you think about it like that, you can't actually play both sides, can you? When you try and play both sides, you really just play yourself, because it can't be done. You've got to pick a side, friends with the world, friends with God. Which one? Well, the obvious question here should be, am I being a friend of the world then? If that's how serious this is, is that me? What are the symptoms, if it is? Well, here's our second big thing we're going to see. The symptoms are that you're all about you. You're all about yourself. Check out verse 1 and 2. James fleshes this out a little bit for us. What causes fights and quarrels among you? He's kind of got the answer for them. Don't they come from your desires, the battle within you? You desire, but you don't have, so you kill. You covet, but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. He's asking, he, he's seeing like there's all these biffs going on among these people, and he's like, what's causing them 
What's going on? And then he gives them the answer, doesn't he? It's because you desire, you desire, you covet, same as desire, right? It's eye disease. I want this, I want that, I want them, I, 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 me, me, me. But again, the question's got to be, why is that so bad? It's not that bad just getting some stuff that we want, right? It can't be that bad. Well, the problem's with the stuff that we want. Because this world is against God. Not the place, right? There's nothing wrong with the place, but the people that make up the world, us, people are against God. They're enemies of God. And so if we're wanting the things that those people want, we're in hostility to God. We're an enemy of God. We're against God. And living the double life is when we go over and live the life of the world and be a friend of the world like that, get the things that it says we want, but then we dabble back over to God. Or also, can I have this? Can I have this? I'll take this bit here. Thank you very much. But doing the double, doing both. It's a life that's just driven by wanting and getting really just what the world tells you that you should want and what you should get. Now, not only does it put us in that bad position we already saw, but James says, this life actually just really sucks for you. It just really sucks. Firstly, it wrecks your relationships. That's his whole point in that verse 1 that we just read, isn't it? They're fighting amongst each other because they desire the thing that someone else has. So, it's, I want the thing, you know, that you want, so I'm going to fight you for that thing. Thank you very much. Wrecked relationship. I want that thing, so I steal it off someone. I want that girl or I want that guy, so I'll go and do that, no matter what it does to that other person. It's a relational mess. But second, it wrecks your prayers. Did you catch that? Look at the second half of verse 2. So, it talks about quarreling, fighting. Then he says, you don't have because you don't ask God. And when you ask, you don't receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. His point is you can, you can tell a lot about a person by what they ask for, can't you? His thing here is some people, they're not asking at all anything of God. He's saying you're not getting anything. They're so, they don't think that God's going to provide for them, so they don't ask. But the second group of people, they're asking, but they're doing it with wrong motives. They're just asking God for the stuff they want, even though it's the stuff that the world says they want. It's not the right things, they don't have the right motives. And so, what do your prayers look like? What do they look like? What do you ask for? Do they exist, firstly? Are you relying on God at all? And if so, what are you asking for? Are they just littered with things that the world tells you to want? You can tell a lot about someone by what they ask for. I remember when I was in high school, there was this girl, Rhiannon, right? I had a bit of a crush on Rhiannon. I thought she was pretty cute, right? And so I remember praying, God, can I just go out with Rhiannon? Can you please work some miracle that I could go out with a girl, please. And I thought, this is actually, this is actually pretty good. I reckon this ticks a bunch of boxes, so God should probably give me that. Number one, I want a girlfriend. So that's pretty good. That ticks that box. That'd be great. Uh, number two, she was pretty good looking. 
and that God obviously cares about that, lots, so I'll take that one as well, thank you very much. And she was pretty edgy. I'm like, God probably likes edgy. (laughs) Yeah, I'll ask for that as well, why not, right? I never prayed for anything else. But the time came and I wanted a girlfriend and bam, God, I'll, I'll take those, thank you very much. And I'll see you next time when that doesn't work out, right? Now I look back and I'm so thankful that God didn't give me that because that would have been terrible for me. Not like just for me, but for my Christian life, that would have been terrible. In no way would she have helped me keep growing to be a Christian. It would have tanked me. I was a friend of the world and you could just see it by my prayers. It was obvious. And they're the prayers that God won't answer with a yes. Because He's not a vending machine where you just plug in the thing that you want and He goes, there you go, see you next time. That's not how it works. He's a loving Father who gives you what you need, not just the things that we want. Relationships and prayers can be symptoms that you're living a double life, that you're friends with the world. And there are more as well. I wonder if you see yourselves in these. I reckon there's two big categories of being friends with the world. Two big ones. Number one, some of you are just cheating on God. It's just blatant. You're cheating on God. You're double-crossing Him and you're a friend of the world. It's just obvious. And the second one is that you're flirting. You're flirting with it. You're not quite fully cheating, but man, you're close. You're flirting with the world. The first one, cheating. If this is you, you're, just, you're the one who's clearly living a double life and just flaunting it. Just flaunting it. Maybe to some on the outside, you, you do the you thing, you might do the church with the parents thing even, you might almost do the good kid thing. You call yourself a Christian depending on who you're chatting with, if they'll think it's all right or not. To those who won't, I won't mention it to them. But really, your life is just full of stuff the world loves. You get smashed when you want to, you mess around when you want to, your life just shows little to no evidence of any change, of following God at all. Some of you would have had big moments even this year, big Christian moments. There was a moment at youth where I decided to follow. There was a moment at a double up. There was fat where I decided I was going to follow Jesus. And now, you look back and you, nothing's changed. There might have been a little bit there where it changed, but you look back and there's nothing different. You're playing both sides. You're trying to have it both ways and God's not buying it. You can't trick Him. It's being a friend of the world. Second one, you're flirting with the world. You're not quite full-blown cheating, but man, you're flirting with it. Man, it's close. The danger of this one is that if you keep going down that path, you'll cheat. That's just what will happen. You might not quite be there yet, you're not quite there, but if things continue the way they are, that's where you'll end up. Maybe this year you started taking school real seriously. Now, that's not a bad thing, right? School's a really good thing, work hard at it. But maybe as you've started to do this, you've started taking your foot off the accelerator of your relationship with God. 
It's gone on the back burner a little bit. Youth becomes that optional extra. G-teams becomes a maybe. Bible reading, off the radar. In your head, you're thinking, it's just for a time, it's fine, because I need to get those marks so that I can get into that course at uni, so that I can go and get that job, so that I, I... It's flirting with the world. You become a red-hot student and a lukewarm Christian. Is that you? For some, it might be a job, right? You got a new job, that's pretty sweet, you're pretty good at it, you're raking in some cash, that's pretty good as well. But the same things happen. The Christian stuff just falls off the radar. You can commit to work when you want, but you can't commit to Christian things like you would. Your wage goes up, your generosity goes down. It's a friend of the world, is that you? Some of the flirting looks like just literal flirting, right? There's that guy or there's that girl who deep down you know is not going to be good for your Christian life. You know that God wouldn't want you to to date that person, that they wouldn't make you more like Jesus, help you love Him more, anything like that. But you're playing with it anyway. You're flirting with it anyway. Soon enough, if you keep down that, you'll find yourself in the relationship, it'll be too hard to get out of that relationship, and then you think, why is it such a big deal that I'm in it anyway? And the Christian stuff will be off the radar. Guys, we see it time and time and time again. For all those things, you're flirting with the world and you're messing with double-crossing with God. And just really quickly, a real quick aside, for some of you, neither of those categories are you. (laughs) And you are just going hard. You struggle with stuff, but you fight against it. Keep going. Keep trusting Jesus. All right? Don't think that just because you had that thing at that time, but now you're solid, that you're an enemy of the world. Don't worry, some people have a soft conscience about those type of things. Keep trusting Jesus. Keep trusting Jesus. Which group are you in? Are you just cheating on God? Are you flirting with the world? Well, here's the last thing for tonight for both those groups. It's the fix, right? Here's the fix. Come back to God. (laughs) It's a real obvious one. Check out verse 6. He's just laid into them, right? We've seen what James has said to them. He's laid into them. He's called them out on double-crossing God, warning them of God's jealousy. And then what does he say? But he gives us more grace. He gives us more grace. Wow. Even that person that James has been talking about this whole way, the one double-crossing God, cheating on him, God's got grace for that person if they'd come back. But there's a type of person that God has that for. Keep reading. Verse 6, but He gives us more grace. That's why Scripture says, God opposes the proud, but shows favour to the humble. It's the humble person who God will show grace to. It's the humble person that God will forgive. Being humble is that key to unlock it all. Now, it's not just this inherent thing that you've just, you might have or not have. It's the humble person who recognises, I actually need that help. It's only the humble person who sees, oh, I actually need Jesus. I actually need to stop the thing I'm doing and go back to being singly for God. 
The proud person won't draw near. The proud person will refuse to admit that there's a problem there. Not the humble. And so God says He shows grace. This whole, ch- this whole next chunk, actually, is talking about the person who would come back to God, who admits that they've been wrong, the humble person. We're just going to fly through it from verse 7 onwards, real quick, ready? Submit yourselves then to God. It, it's come back under the rule of God. Come back to living for Him. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come near to God and he will come near to you. So if you do that, if you come back to Him, God's going to meet you halfway. God's coming. He's so excited that you would come back that He will meet you at the door. Keep going. Uh, Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. This is talking about the change that's needed in someone. Because you can't just do it and keep living the way you have because nothing's changed, right? There's a change that's needed. It's not saying like, go literally wash your hands because they're gross. There's something deeper. It's saying, you need to change your heart. To, to be on God's side. And if you do that, the things you do are going to change. Your actions will change. Commit to that. Verse 9, grieve, mourn and wail, change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. It's recognize that you're in a bad place. The double life is not a good place. You got to, if you commit, commit. And verse 10, humble yourselves before the Lord and He will lift you up. And if you do that, God will lift you up. He will show grace. He will forgive. Will you be humble enough to ask God for the help you need tonight? Will you be humble? And sometimes that's a real hard thing to do, I reckon. No, you need help. This is kind of like a low-key fear for me, right? Um, There's at least two things in life I'm not very good at. Number one, swimming. Number two, asking people for help in anything. They're my two things, right? And so I have this mini fear that if I started to go for a bit of a swim in the ocean, I don't really like the ocean, but if I did and I got out there and I was just stuck, I just had this fear that I would not put up my hand. That I'd be like, I probably got this. And it'd be pretty embarrassing if I put up my hand. That person I've never met before would know that I put up my hand. That'd be super embarrassing. I've just got this thing where maybe I wouldn't do it, right? But how stupid is that? What could act, like, what's the worst that could happen there? It's not that bad, right? You're so proud that you'd risk dying when you could just stick up your hand. Just admit it and be saved. Now, it will be humbling, right? People will see that that guy over there stuck up his hand. The weird speedo guy will do the weird speedo run over to you, end up on Bondi Rescue or something. I don't know. It's humbling, but you're saved. <laughs> it's, 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 a, it's no option, right? It's easy what you're going to do. Some of you might be too proud to come back to God. You've seen the signs, you've, you've heard the warnings, you know the way out, but you still won't turn back. You still won't admit to yourself that that's what you've got to do. You need to hear the warning of verse 4 again. Don't you know that friendship with the world means enmity with God? Anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. That's where your pride will land you. 
Some of you, you've seen the signs, you've heard the warnings, you know the way out, and you know you've got to take it. Maybe for you, it's not the first time you've done this, but you've seen the things in your life that are leading you to live that double life. And you know, tonight, I've just got to commit to being on God's side. I've got to commit to it. Make tonight the night where you do that. Make tonight the night that you look back on in a month's time, in a year's time, and say, that was the night when I made a change. That was the night when I committed to being a Christian, to living for God. And if that's you, I want you to do three things tonight, if that's you. Number one, you've got to own where you're at. You've got to own yourself where you're at with this. You've got to be real. You have to be able to say, that is me, actually. That's been me. Maybe I didn't mean to, but I know that's what I've been doing. I've been cheating on God. I've been flirting with the world, whatever it is. I've got to change. You've got to own it. Number two, you've got to own it with God. It's between you and Him. You've got to hit Him up. You've got to tell Him what you've been doing. It's like sticking your hand up. Do business with God tonight. Ask Him to forgive you. Tell Him you're going to change. Ask Him to forgive. And third, I reckon this is a really helpful one. Not as necessary as the first two, but really helpful. Own it to someone else. Own it to someone else. If you know that this has been you, and you know that your lean is to go and be friends with the world, the worst thing you can do is just keep it to yourself and keep it a secret. Because if you're anything like me, it's so easy to go and do that, isn't it? It's so easy. And so tell someone that that's what you've decided to do tonight. Ask them to help you. Ask them to pray for you. Chances are they're going to need your help as well. Chat to someone, whether it's just a mate, whether it's a leader, whether it's me, it doesn't matter. Chat with someone, ask them to help you as you do this. Be humble. Accept help, because we need it, I need it. Chances are people have been through the things you're going through as well. Get them to help you. But for all of us, we've got a decision to make tonight. It's quite a clear one. It's not ten options that you get to pick from. It's just two. Am I going to be a friend of the world? Or am I going to be a friend with God? And I can't make it for you. It's something you've got to do. You've got to own it for yourself. You've got to own it with God. If it's helpful, own it with someone else. Let's pray. Father, we, we want to recognize that often we don't live for you. Um, don't know where everyone here is at tonight, but I trust that there's a bunch of us who, who have been friends with the world, who have been cheating on you. Um, and there's some of us who have been flirting with the world. Father, we ask that you would show mercy like you promise. Would you help us to be humble enough to recognize that we need help. We pray that we, we would do business with you tonight. We pray that you would see us in the state we're in and you'd give us grace. We thank you for the confidence we have that you'll do that, that you've promised to do that and so we know that you will, that because of Jesus and his death on our behalf, 
that you've forgiven us if we would come to you. So we pray for those of us who need to do that tonight, that we would. Amen.